What's going on, Full Contact CEO listeners? On March 25th, come down, down to Veterans Memorial Stadium, the VET, in Quincy for our Flannel Disco Festival. Flannel Disco. That's right. It's Flannel Disco. The boys will be taking on the Dallas Jackals. We'll wrap them up in some flannel. Kick them out of the stadium with some pre-match action from some of the best collegiate rugby players in the country doing their best for the National Collegiate Sevens Qualifier Tournament on their way to the National Championship. Three of the four teams last year in the top four of the National Championship came out of this tournament. We also have live music from Booty Vortex. Yep, you heard that right. Booty Vortex. Get your tickets at freejacks.com. On the show. Oh, I got a phone call to answer. Bye. Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I am your host, Alex Magleby. I'm co-founder and CEO of the High Flying New England Free Jacks and the live event sports entertainment company, Heritage Sports Ventures. Today, I'm joined by a man who lives, breathes, and eats rugby, but you won't find him on the pitch. Instead, you'll find him on Wall Street facilitating acquisitions of mega sports teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and Chelsea Football Club recently as partner at Paul Weiss. He's also the controlling owner of his hometown club, the Sharks, formerly of Super Rugby and now of the European Cup and URC and whatever they're calling it, everything else in Europe these days, and a shareholder of the dominant Saracens and the Premiership in the UK. Certainly very, very excited to learn as much as we can from you today, hear your thoughts on the future of rugby, of sport, learn how you got to where you got to. It's so awesome. Welcome to Full Contact CEO, Marco Massati. Thanks a lot. Happy to be here. Did I say your last name right? You said it right. I my father was Italian, so Masotti or Mazotti. How did father of Italian heritage get to South Africa? Where are you originally from? So he worked for a motor vehicle company called La Verda in Italy in his 20s. And it was a time of Italian immigration around the world, late 50s, early 60s, decided to try out South Africa. He went, ultimately went into the motor vehicle industry in South Africa, but in trying it out, met the love of his life, my mother. Zee, oh, amazing. And, and, and stayed. So. And stayed away. And, you know, too bad he didn't come to Boston. You know, he could have been born <laughs> in the North End. <laughs> That's great. Marco, we're going to play a quick word game just to warm up. I'm going to say a word. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Cool? That's cool. The sharks. Best. And the best sharks around. That's why I paused yeah. for a second. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, is it a sale? No, <laughs> that's the sale tuna. It's a tuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mackerel or something. Hoti. Hometown. Bry. Happiness. Do you miss a good South African Bry in the mean streets of Manhattan? Oh, so badly. Seek it out. It's, it's part of the DNA of South Africans. First thing I want to do when I get back home in Durban. That and, or Bill Tong, right? They, they, they connected, but yes. Yes. The, the greatest thing, I mean, with Free Jacks, we have 14 different countries, you know, playing on the field. And so everybody has their own version of a barbecue. You know, the Kiwis have the hangi and 
the prize seems to be the winning, the winning go-to that the players choose to, which is pretty cool. Boston, we know it's your favorite city. I think of the Patriots. Did you watch the game the other day, yesterday? I didn't. Oh, well, I took uh, the most iconic, one of the most iconic rat players from the Sharks, Tendai the Beast and Palori. The, be the Beast. I took him to see the, the Giants. Oh, get nice. Beaten, get beaten by the Lions. Was, 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 a little, was a little cold for him, but uh, we got him through so is he in the States? Is he back in the States? Does he come um, through often? He's, he's here very, very briefly. He's still based down in Durban, but he's doing a lot of great things for the sport and, and commercially. And he's my consortium that invested in the Sharks. He's, he's, because he is one of the most iconic and most capped players for the Sharks, we thought we wanted to keep him close and involved in the franchise. And he's assisting us with some strategic advice relating to that's brilliant. I saw that he was, he was, there was some stuff around the, the Super Bowl he was involved with. And yeah, he's, re he's represented by Jay-Z's Rock Nations. Okay. You know, he, he comes here from time to time. That's, it, you know. that's fantastic. And I, too bad about the pandemic because it would have been great for him to continue to build while he was with DC in the MLR. Just no, having somebody sure. with that gravitas around children and everything else is, is super cool. No, he's a great role model for the sport. Just a kind of a segue real quickly. Rock Nation actually came on board and sponsored the U.S. national team. It was 2004. The, the Eagles, we had just lost our Adidas sponsorship. And this is like the U.S. Sevens was just starting and I was playing. And we had for about six months a sponsorship from Rock Nation. It was awesome. But all they did was they took the Adidas kit, put on a patch, <laughs> And then nothing ever came of it, but it was, you know, almost two decades ahead of its time. So, well, yeah, Much let's see, you know, you know, let's see what it could look like today. They've certainly got, and it's primarily through, um, Rock Nation International and, and Michael Yormark. He's become very involved in rugby, representing Sia Kulisi, Mara Toje, Sylvia from New Zealand. So there's, there's a lot of learning and, and growing interest in the sport and you know, it's in, because of the U.S. connection and, and the possibility there, you know, it's important to keep them close. So, Yeah, is that, are those, those as agency relationships? Yeah, you know, it's been both. Those, those are ways representing them in, individually as agents. But we have a contract, the Sharks, with Rock Nation, where they, you know, given their knowledge of sports, have that been very helpful to us in providing us with some strategic advice. And, and I know... They're doing the same thing for the league, the United Rugby Championship that we play in, the URC. And, you know, just, just, a, just a lot of interest, you know, and growing interest, you know, in the sport. So, you know, you know, we find it helpful and, you know, we certainly, you know, hope the relationship grows even further. Which is brilliant. And we really need that in rugby where it's, we're selling heroes who are connected to lifestyle, who are connected to music, who are connected to culture and it's 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 our our stars our heroes are seen in that light through multiple veils similar to basketball and i guess a little bit of soccer so it's that's no, brilliant. absolutely you know we've got to think a little bit out of the box and try things yeah. a little differently which is what we're trying to do which is brilliant so you grew up in south africa small town near natal was that yeah so i grew up in a town called the memsum toti it's about 30 so let me say about, about 20 miles south of durban so it's a co coastal city just south of Durban. Great surf. Uh, known, known for its surfers and its waves. Um, 
and, and really, really a wonderful place with wonderful people. Do you go out and catch a wave on Long Island Sound every once in a while? I don't. I don't. I do. So I, I, I bury my head in a pile of paper. That's, that's, yes. you know, that's how. Which, which it's my kind of next question. I'm very curious. How did you get from kind of small coastal town, South Africa, to the United States, but even more pertinent, I think, into the profession of law? I mean, you're one of the top lawyers reputation-wise around private equity and the go-to person. It just it seems like a, a massive journey. And so for you know young listeners out there who are looking at their future careers, I mean, how did how did you make all that happen? Look, I, 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 frankly, a lot of good fortune. You know, not simply strategic design. You know, you you find it's a process of migration. You find role models. You have great teachers. You have great parents. So I pursued my studies in law in the big city, which was Durban, after Mams and Tody, and that was a big deal, you know, getting to the big city to fulfill my dreams. But I went to the University of Natal, now called KwaZulu-Natal in Durban. And while I was in law school, I, I started getting more interested in, in law and South Africa's constitutional future at the time. And was this pre-post, was this at the end, tail end of apartheid? It, 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 was, it was more or less when Nelson Mandela was getting released. Early was, 90s. was getting released. And okay. South Africa was starting to change and everyone was starting to talk about a new constitution. So I was, you know, you know thinking like Thomas Jefferson was thinking. And I, I got an opportunity. The U.S. government gives out these scholarships called Fulbrights to come study sure. in the United States. I went to the University of Virginia. And before well, I knew on, it, a Fulbright is not an easy thing to do. I mean, you had to be a, a, a pretty damn good student, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't as good as I wanted to be, but you know, I was, you know, surrounded by a great group of friends and fellow law students who carried me. It was an exciting time. I had great teachers, and you know, the timing worked out well with you know the opportunity to come to the United States and. You know, that was life-changing, you know, coming out of your environment. And I was very provincial, coming to um, the University of Virginia, which was a, a soft landing and special place yeah. for me. And it was also the time when, you know, I, <laughs> the first person I sat next to in my first law school class was this kid by the name of Max Kennedy, who was, you know, Bobby Kennedy's son. And before I yeah. knew it, I was, you know. Having my first Thanksgiving at Ethel K with Ethel Kennedy in her home at McLean, Virginia. And this is totally normal. <laughs> and getting caught up with that. And of course, you know, you know, Ted Sorensen, uh, President John F. Kennedy's speechwriter, was working at this firm by the name of Paul Weiss. He was a partner at this firm called Paul Weiss. And Nelson Mandela came to see him shortly after that. And so now there was a firm that I wanted to work at. And before and yet I'd started there, Ted became my mentor and started building, you know, a career here and having a family and setting up roots. This is one thing about mentor-mentee relationship. He, he didn't just grab a random person to mentor. So what, what do you think in hindsight that Ted decided, you know what, I, this, this kid has potential? Well, you know, you know, mentor-mentees, uh, you know, mentor-mentee relationships are enormously important. In fact, at, at the Sharks, you know, we've given each player a foreign mentor and a local mentor. And the foreign mentors were mostly guys in New York who are my relationships <laughs> and connections. Uh, and, and you get as much out of them if you're a mentor as, as do the mentees. And they're very important. Like, you know, we're trying it out. If, you know, 
a, a little artificially. It's better if that it happens more organically. But, you know, I was, you know, I think at the time I was very interested in what Ted was interested in. He was establishing this international public policy kind of practice. And when you have someone who's interested in your work and wants to be around you and you connect with and you have similar interests, it, it happens more organically. That's fantastic. And then I mean, obviously you, you've, you've done very well for, you know, three decades with Paul Weiss. What, what, what does that come down to? I mean, being a lawyer is a grind. My, my, if I was an attorney, it's, I was like, that's the you, last you know, thing I'm ever going to do. You know, well, you, you know, you, you, you know you, you're sitting up there in Boston, you know, you yeah. know think about the New England Patriots way, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, check your ego at the door. Yeah. You know, and, and grind it out and, and things, and things will happen. And, you know, it, it's, it's the same in any profession, you know, it was the same for me in law, you know, again, I, you know, I happen to be at a really, really fantastic firm with great mentors and teachers, but also, you know, staying power. I wanted to be in a particular area, the area of private equity and fund formation. And I helped to build a business there surrounded by creative people, hardworking people. And, you know, when you, when you, when you're around those types of people, you know, they bring, sometimes bring, bring the best out in you. But I think it's just, you know, being humble and being willing to learn and, yeah. and sticking it out and working hard and, you know, good things happen. Yeah, it's very much the New England way and the Free Jacks. I mean, it's, it's community first, work hard and, and have a bit of fun in the process. But I just kind of say, like when I was doing- Well, well there's always that. There's work hard yeah. and party hard. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got you to do both. You got to be able to lay your hair down. When I, I was interning investment banking with Morgan Stanley and we would leave at like 3 a.m. It had been a long day already. And the people who we were sending the packets to were the attorneys. Like, and they were going for another couple of hours. It was, you know, the, the hardest working people in the business for sure. So, okay. Hey, law, private equity. How did you decide to get back into rugby, into ownership of rugby? I mean, your life's pretty good. I'd assume you've accomplished um, a lot of things you want to accomplish. That's, 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 a, that's a long, complicated story. I mean, firstly, rugby, you know, my, my Italian father, who knew absolutely nothing about it, you know, took me to see the Springboks play against the All Blacks in 1976. Mornay Duplessis was the captain. I think I sat in the last row of Kings Park, which is the Shark Stadium you know, in, in, in the bleachers and just totally, of course, the Springboks won, you know, totally and utterly fell in love with the sport. And, you know, when, you, when you're an expat South African, it, it's also part of the way you stay connected to, to your, you know, to the country. And so, I, you know, I also have a son, Alexander, who, you know, I traveled with to see the Springboks and it's just something that I love that's, you know, always excited me. I, you know, I, I imagine running angles in my head. I imagine big scrum hits in my head. I just, I just can't help it. I just love it. I want to be standing on the side of that field. It's, you know, it's, it's my happy place. It's another way I'm, I'm you know, the biggest fan of the sport. So let me just start there. And, and while, you know, while I was firstly, when I told you about Nelson Mandela coming to Paul Weiss. Ted set up something called the South Africa Free Elections Fund for him. And it was a fund that was raised in the United States to support voter education in South Africa. It was raised at Paul Weiss. And South Africa's first democratic election was in 1994. 
shortly after that, you had the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. You know, Mandela and France, yeah. you know, they made the movie Invictus about it. But the first co-chair of the co-chairs of that South African Free Election Fund was a guy by the name of Tony O'Reilly, but also Vincent May, who was the chair of a private equity firm called AEA Investors. Okay, just 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 remember that name because that's part of the story. He's the um, one who helped support. He did the scholarships for Sia. Was that correct? Right? Well, that's 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 what yeah. I'm getting at. And now he's the co-controlling owner of the Sharks rugby team. So it's it starts with Mandela coming to Paul Weiss, Vincent May, but then Francois Pino reaches out several years later about setting up a, a foundation that mentors young South African leaders and. He asked me to set up the, the U.S. part of that, which I did. Got to know Francois. He's become a good friend, you know, wonderful person, wonderful South African. So I got progressively more involved, you know, in rugby. Francois is close to a now mutual friend, someone by the name of Dominic Sylvester, CEO of a company called NSTAR, who's now the controlling owner of Saracen. So I'm mentioning all of this because... You know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a rugby story. I mean, that's the great thing about our sport. It, you know, it, you, you meet so many great people, you know, you create friendships, people with the right values, wonderful. And, and so the, you know, the Sharks investment, the Saracens investment, they, they start with, you know, rugby fans and friends and, you know, then become about business, but that, that's how it all came together. And then, so you know, they're pr progressively, that's how I got more and more invested in rugby. And, you know, the, the Sharks thing, you know, Vincent and I, you know, investing in the Sharks came out of, you know, me being very interested in, in rugby, having the opportunity through a close friend of mine who was on, on the board of the Stormers, who were looking for an equity invest on the time. Vincent starting to mentor Sia and feeling really touched by Sia reaching out. Vincent and had paid for Sia's scholarship and education at the mutual high school, Gray High, and, and us deciding, look, we want to do something different, something special for, for South African rugby players and create a different kind of, you know, reg rugby business. And so that's pretty much how it all came together. Fantastic. It's awesome. such a great rugby story. I mean, at the end of the day, rugby is a relationships business. It's, it certainly is. I mean, and then it's just so fun. Rugby is just so fun. It's, so much it's fun. A great great rugby story but let's let's peel that back a bit the investment you guys decided to buy into to a controlling stake of the sharks formerly of super rugby right after the pandemic or during the pandemic i can't it was, it was, it was during the pandemic we closed in march 2021 okay so still yeah. in the middle of the pandemic thought process is there why why was that a sound investment well firstly i'm I'm sitting, actually sitting where I'm sitting right now, in the middle of the pandemic, twiddling my thumbs, a busy corporate lawyer, but also doing Zoom call <laughs> after Zoom call. Yeah, you're uh, you, can never yes, you, never, you can never time when these things happen to you in your life. And so I figured, let me do something, you know, that reflects my lunatic, you know, per personality. But look, the... You know, the rugby franchises in South Africa needed something. They needed an equity investor in the middle of the pandemic, you know, was an, was an important time because it was, was hard for franchises around the world. It was likely they decided to play in Europe. And that was also part of the thinking. The Sharks play in, you know, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and Italy. 
And if you, you know, finish top eight, you know, you're playing, you know, in the UK and, and France. Um, so that, you know, same time zone, a lot more proximity, you know, from the United States, the changing landscape of rugby, you know, th those were the types of things that factored into the decision-making. Yeah. So growth coming from, you know, really being a part of that high-end European rugby dollar in that market. Yeah, look, I, I, I would say dis disruption and potential growth opportunity, the, you know, the, the snow globe getting shaken and waiting to settle. It's, you know, it's, it's often a good time, you know, to jump in and, and that's what, and that's what I really wanted to do. And I was, look, there are lots of factors. You can't time when these things happen to your life. You know, I started looking at it and saying to myself, you know, it reflects everything I'm interested in. You know, if I'm thinking about how to, how to live the rest of my life, I'm, you know, I'm interested in being around my friends. I'm, I'm interested in the sport that brings people together. I'm interested in, in mentoring and education, you know, for, you know, for young people. And I'm interested in community development and, and yeah. you know, trying, trying to do something different. So it's, it all coalesces around, you know, our sports and it just, you know, you know, seemed to be, make sense. And, you know, I've also had good fortune of being in a, a you know, in a firm that's you know, introduced me to people all around the world who I think I can bring to the sport. And it just, just made a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes, I mean, from sitting as, as a rugby investor myself, obviously there's a lot of bias on my end, but just the, the nuts and bolts of it is, does the union, does the, does the South African rugby union have any controlling stake management control? Does the, uh, does the provincial union, how is that structure in South Africa? Just thinking about you know, the, the different ways that the bureaucracy of rugby and, and globally, how much control do you guys have or not? I mean, what's the, well, well, well look, we're a, we're, we're a, we're a standalone professional business. So okay. we, you know, we have a controlling interest in the sharks. We have minority shareholders, which is the, the former amateur union and, and Supersport, the, the broad media, the media broadcast company. We have control of the professional business. However, like in leagues around the world, South Africa is getting through, you know, how, how, do, how do we structure the relationship between mothership, SARU, that's responsible for Springbok rugby, and these professional unions? You know, right now we rely on, on distributions, our share of broadcast distributions coming through mothership. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's still, you know, there's still some lingering structural inefficiencies in terms of the way rugby structured. I, I think it needs to be more of a, a partnership. You know, I, I, I call it, you know, a brother sister relationship, you know, where we are effectively a shareholder of mothership so that yeah. I'm incentivized to grow that pie as well as my pie and bring relationships to that pie as well as my pie. Uh, but right now I think. Mothership sees it as a, a father-son, father-daughter relationship. And, yeah. and I think as a strategic initiative, we're trying to work on changing that. Right. And, that, and that's just based on the history of the funding of rugby in the world. You know, yes. clearly it's, it's the Men's World Cup and a couple of other international tournaments that go to those, those national teams that then just pay for rugby everywhere else, basically. Correct. Correct. But how do we look, grow from Look, that? I mean, there needs to be more global focus on on, on the club game. I mean, that's, you know, that's also a way how we get the sport to the next 
you know, stage or professional growth. And, and, and that's, and that's what we try. Yeah. And completely. And it's, it's, you look at the United States, there's, there's not even a national team calendar for the next year, let alone the next 10 years. So to monetize and capitalize on something that, that the union can't even plan. And then with the hopes that somehow that's going to pay for it, just not, it's not, not a model that is, that has ever worked, unfortunately. What, what do you think is going to happen with the world of rugby? How does this grow kind of on a macro level? Well, look, I mean, I think, I mean, look, that's, you know, that's, that's the question This you know, there's certainly challenges around the world. Look, I think, you know, for, for the time being, all of the action is in Europe. The French seem to be getting it better than, than everyone else. I think, you, you know, just, just look at, you know, look, look at their leagues, their first and second division, look at what they're achieving as a, you know, media and entertainment business. Yeah, the new media know, contracts are, are strong, for sure. Strong. It's, you know, it's, it's more than just about, you know, rugby. There's certainly challenges in the UK, but I think, you know, we, we took a step back because of COVID, but I think, uh, you know, the seeds are, are there with, um, you know, private equity now at the table, business people at the table, you know, hopefully a much larger, you know, broadcast agreement. I think UFC is off to a really great first season. I mean, I think it was, was better than at least I expected. Yeah. And I think, you know, th there's hope with the participation of the South African teams that that, that league's going to continue to grow and, and thrive. It, you know, it is a, a little bit of a smaller market in those jurisdictions, but, you know, th this, you know, the, the scene is set for a really great Heineken Cup this year, the European wide championship play in December, right? That's just around the correct, corner. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we, 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 play against Harlequins in Bordeaux. So we've got a hard, you know, we, we're in a hard group, but I think, you know, we hopeful given, you know, that we'll have our Springboks back and, and, you know, we, we, you know, we, we've got a good team and hoping that we can challenge. Media distribution dollars from Heineken cup. Is that equal? If you, if you're just in the stage in the, the pool play, is that different based on playoffs? Is it just, just purely to each? league just gets a chunk how is that divided you know i'm not i'm not entirely sure my, my understanding again you know we're a little bit at undecided for south african franchises where the little bit of the beck and call of of saru so what we share in of of that pool has yet to be determined right going back to that sister brother relationship as opposed correct, to correct. how does that work for player contracts do they, do you get to determine the contract and then they do a top up for a national team or is it national team first? And then you're going to participate in so, that? So we, we, we contract with the players, but if it's a Springbok player, the national team give us some, some, what they refer to as pony payments. So if you, okay. if, if you got a player with a, you know, call it, you know, 10 million Rand contract, you know, yeah. I'd be pay, paying 6 million Rand of his comp and sorry that before. Okay. A, 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 again, you know, there's, there's a lot we can do to improve the structural setup. Yeah. And the seasonality and everything else. Correct. So, so like, 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 like take, take, for example, this weekend, it's outside of the international wind. The Springboks are playing England. We've got a number of Springbok players. On, on the Springbok team. We also have some young French players that are coming to the system that the Springboks want to hold on to. 
and we yeah. decided to hold on to for the week. But we have a very important URC game coming up, you know, you know, on Saturday. And, you know, your controlling owner, you, you're paying the comp of these players. There's not substantial pony contributions yeah. for, we got to win. You know, it impacts our ability to play Heineken Cup. It impacts, you know, how we run our business. And, you know, there's there's still a lot to work to do to make sure. And and look, I think ultimately, you know, we'll get there because I think, you know, private ownership of these types of franchises, it it takes a little time for the system to catch up with what's, what's happened. And now you've got three out of the four franchises you know, that have private investors with controlling stakes. And I think it's just, just a matter of time before we get it right. Yeah. And it's, it's this constant, you see in rugby all the time when I was with the national team and everything else, it's just short term termism because we need money today. We're going to make a decision today that really has no commercial legs to it, or actually is antagonistic to, to the commercial structures. And we, we keep doing that in, in rugby, certainly in the United States. That's you know, World Rugby has a little bit more money this year and they want the national team to do better. So we're going to do this in a four competition or whatever the, whatever the new hit yeah. thing is that lasts for two years that World Rugby pays for. And then, of course, there's no commercial viability to it and it disappears again. And as we're resetting in four decades of, of constantly resetting. No, no, absolutely. What, uh, but, what but I think, you know, with, again, with, with the CBC at the tail, probably, you know, the hope is, you know, these businesses will be a little bit more professionalized. We can do a lot yes. of, and we've been doing a lot of thinking at the shocks. We really are not, you know, short-term focus. What, what kind of, you know, what kind of club do we want to be? What type of rugby do we want to play? How do we engage? Are we a South African brand or a European brand now that we're playing in Europe? Just a global well, brand. It's just so much you can, you know, what kind of relationship do we want to have with, you know, our mothership? How many string box do you? Do you have given the, you know, the, the nature of the structure? And so, you know, we, we think about three years time and four years time and five years time. And, you know, five years, what does that look like? What do the shirts look like? What does success look like? Hopefully, you know, (laughs) uh, yeah, look, hopefully we're one of the top brands in the world. We've won a few trophies. We are viable, you know, commercial enterprise. We've grown our brand in Europe. Uh, we've, you know. We Africa's team, we've grown it in, you know, in sub-Saharan Africa. We come and play in the United States once a year. Brilliant. You're welcome and to come to the And, and there's a shark's presence here. You know, that, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's my whole idea. I'm here, you know, is, you know, we have a base in, in, in South Africa. We have a strategic relationship in, in Europe with Saracens, a club that shares similar culture and values. Yeah. And we have a presence, you know, in the United States jointly where we, you know, promote the game. We give players at the beginning of their careers, end of their careers, an, an opportunity to be in the United States as the gr- game grows here. The game has to grow here for the good of rugby, especially in the lead up to the 2031 World Cup. And I know, you know, I know there are a lot of people like you and others, business people. I've had so many conversations with people here. You know, we, we need to get it right here. 100%. And it, yeah. We're MLR's going into its fifth season and despite ourselves, it continues to grow and the TV numbers are great relative to, I think, what anybody thought they would be. I mean, from a cable TV perspective, 
they're approaching NHL averages and MLS averages or without the participant numbers underneath, can we still create the in-stadium attendance numbers that we need? Well, that requires either real estate or some sophisticated stadium plans. You know, we're fortunate that we've got an 11 year lease left license on, on our stadium. It's a great city stadium right on the subway. You know, we, we run other events there. You know, effectively, you just become live events companies, I guess, with a media tail. But without the participation numbers and of those, you know, growing, but not what soccer had when they had the World Cup. It's almost a flipped model. It's, it's like maybe our lessons are more from the UFC and others where it's where we become really good at selling entertainment. And, yeah. and it's not going to be the suburban families who are going to be buying the tickets, but it's a, it's a more city-based. Again, it's, it's not the... It's not solved, but we got, we got our work ahead. How, how do we do it? You know, I mean, how, how do we make all of us collectively make rugby work here in the United States? You know, rugby is part of the DNA of the United States. I mean, that's what I learned. I remember when I came here in the early 90s, I went to something called the Cherry Blossom Tournament. Yeah, it's awesome. I was on the, you know, Virginia club team. And I couldn't believe it. You know, you sit on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and they're like rugby fields. To your right. right, there were teams from all over. There's like, you know, 2,500 clubs all over the United States. There's some massive country with a lot of rugby. There's also a little bit of, a, you know, a military connection to the sport. I'm so, it's just, you know, it's just organizing. It's finding a way of get, getting the message of rugby out, you yeah. know, to the broader society. Americans love it. Com combines, you know, the, some of the aspects of football with some of the aspects of soccer. If we can get the product a little bit more right, you know, there are issues with some of the technical rules and, and I'm on a constant tirade about can we professionalize the sport even, even better with some of the officiating uh, or, or more lines yeah. of, of the NFL. But I think it's getting the product right, but figuring a way of how to get the message out, you know, in the U.S. Obviously. Having successful leagues here, like MLS, is certainly the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, but you can be like sport number seven here. Oh, exactly. And you still be, you know, we're not, some... we're not competing yeah. with the NFL. I sometimes think, by the way, the NFL is the vehicle. 100%. Um, we are, that, we are the know, football of the spring. To, you know, the NFL is the vehicle to help get rugby out there a little. I mean, we, we do work for the NFL. Our law firm, so I have, you know, I have a few ideas on how to do that, but I sometimes think, you know, you know, ha having a little fun with the NFL and some of the NFL players and yeah. not that I want to be too UFCized and too controversial, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you can still stick to the, this is the problem with rugby. It's, it we we're selling the values and we're hitting everybody over the stick, head over the stick with it. And the values are going to be there. I mean, rug, that's the nature of the sport. But we can also still celebrate the players and they can have names on the back of the shirts and they can be, the individual can be strong and we can sell the individual and there's also, we can celebrate after we score a try, you know, all of those things that kind of have been poo-pooed in our sport forever. At the end of the day, why I keep coming back and I can't speak for you, but I assume is rugby is just fun, right? It's just, it just is. And let's share that. We, 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 and we need to have more fun. It's a, it's amazing how you, you, you don't appreciate how, how much those values, it means rolling rock up the hill, how much those values are so ingrained 
in rugby and you, and you have to fight them a little, you know, the best part of the values, we never want to change those, but you know, a player celebrating instead of dotting down and running back to the halfway line. I mean, come, you know, come on, maybe I've become, maybe I've become, you know, too, too American, but it's shocking. You know, you, you'll hear, you know, that's not the way the game is played. That's what they say. And that is code for, let's go back to our amateur values, but we got to, you know, if we want to grow the sport, you know, we, you know, we, we have to come along with the times and, and, and what the kids are looking for and for the next generation of rugby players, what they're looking for. And, you know, we, we can change and evolve, you know, let, let, let's try and do it. It may be a little brash, you know, yeah, cheeky for, for the gentleman of rugby, but yeah, you, know. you can be cheeky and still be a good sportsman. I, I mean, that's the thing. And that's, you know, what I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully we're able to turn the corner on that here in the next. Well, I'm going to be cheeky. I'm just telling you, I, I've said, I'm going to, yes, but we, we want to be disruptive and different. And Did the great right thing about sitting in New York is you don't really care. So, well, speaking of New York, did I read an anecdote that you were, it's a classic New York story. You were just walking down the street and Muhammad Ali is one of your idols and you just bumped into him and picked up a conversation. And, uh, I, you know, I, I did. I mean, it was one of those, it's one of those great days. I first, yeah, first and foremost, I'm a boxing fan. So I was okay. growing up a big a Muhammad Ali fan and, and, you know, he represents so much and, you know, what, what a great sporting figure, but I had an apartment on 57th, this is in the early nineties, 57th and six. And my office was, I wanted to work, be close to my office again. Yeah. And the, in those days, you know, you're working seven days a week. Yeah. It was on 51st and six. So five blocks. Not too far and, from my life there. And so I walk out of my apartment and there is the great Muhammad Ali. I mean, I'm, I'm shaking, you know, and I, you know, I speak to him and I just walk next to him. And they say that, you know, heavyweight champion of the world is the only person that makes New Yorkers stop in their tracks. And it was so true. I mean, he walked down Sixth Avenue and I walked beside him to my office and people just lined up and I you bet. heard, how's it going champ? How's it going champ? You know, he was still, you know, the champion of the world. So it brings it, bring, bringing that back full circle, he was so charismatic. You know, it was, it was not just his skills in the ring. It was everything he brought outside of the ring, which I think is, as we're growing as a commercial entity, how important that is, is that we bring that charisma and the cheekiness, which rugby has. Rugby people are hilarious. Like, it, it's, yeah, a, have. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great sport in terms of we're all going to go out and kind of beat each other up, mud or not, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, we're going to break bread together after and tell jokes and have a great time. No, absolutely. I mean, I keep on saying to, to some of the players, just get out of your shell. It's like, you know, you know, this, this, this conservatism about the sport. I mean, we have great cultures in, in South Africa, get, get out of your shell and, and express it, express your culture, express who you are, you know, dance when you score a try. I mean, you, you may not like this, but we also need a few rogues, you know, we need the good guys, the bad guys, you know, let's, you know, let's have fun. A hundred percent. What speaking of fun, what are, what are your thoughts of MLR? So it's still early stages for me. You know, I'm, I'm so, I've been so focused on the Sharks and, and the premiership game. I've been to one, you know, MLR game, which is, I went to see Reggae United. I took the CEO of the Sharks. Okay. To see it, you know, you know, we, we struggled to find the stadium. 
Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, when we got, look, I thought the quality of rugby was pretty good. It's good. I, I, I thought the quality of rugby it's changed dramatically over five years. Was, 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 was much higher than I expected. Look, you know, if we, you know, I, I need to get more invested in it. I'd like to go down and, uh, and, and see Old Glory play. One, one of our Sharks co-investors, very close friend of mine, uh, he's a CEO of a company called Virtue, a part owner of the Florida Panthers ice hockey team, a former colleague at Paul Weiss. Uh, this is, this is, you know, this is the rugby tree. His fraternity brother yeah. from Columbia is Chris Dunleavy, who's involved in the Old Glory rugby okay. team. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, you know yeah, this, this yeah, is yeah. how it all comes, you know, this is how it all comes yeah. together. So, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd love to go down and, and see them play. Um, and, and certainly, you know, I want to, I want to see more games, but I'm surprised by the quality. Look again, you know, you're only five years into it. COVID is, you know, a step or two back for everyone. I think the world has returned to normal, you know, just let's keep growing. We'd love to have you come visit us. I mean, we just built out our performance center that opens this month. You know, we're approaching sellouts in the stadium. It's super fun. I think it's, it's a lot of those things that. We've been saying we want to do, and we're finally starting to see it. And kind of bringing the Hong Kong Sevens atmosphere into a 15-a-side game, and these just festivals. We got great bands. It's super fun. What rugby can do right now, because it is so accessible, it's not four hundred dollars for a ticket. You know, a family of four can come for you know a hundred bucks basically, and they get rugby, good music, you know, academy playing, curtain raisers, fireworks. It's a, it's just it's kind of a great combination right now. Yeah, no, for sure. And and it is more than about rugby, right? You need you need to give everyone, you know, everyone something. It's about it's about entertainment. Yeah, two to ninety two. You know, it's it's that. What what are, what do we have for everybody? And are there enough kids things there that aren't just rugby based, but we can do you know scavenger hunts throughout the park and all the fun things. Yeah, I know for sure. And coming up with those is actually really really fun. Yeah, for sure. Last question. I just want to ask everybody, if you're in my shoes and you're running the Free Jacks today, what would you be focused on? Look, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm focused on. Firstly, run it like a business. You know, I run it like a business and just like other live sports, try and get creative around, you know, to get our sport to the next level, revenue generation. So I think a, a lot of, you know, a lot of media content now is on the, on your phone. Can, can you monetize and grow your fan base through membership programs and other types of fan engagements? Be thoughtful about your, your, your sponsors and your brand. You know, there, there are a lot of people out there who I think want to be helpful. So, you know, plug into your rugby network, not only on the sponsorship side, but also on, on the equity side. I don't know exactly how you structured. So, you know, rev revenue generation um, is what I think you got to be focused on in terms of creating yourself a, a cushion and viability through the ups and downs of our sport for the coming years. And then also, look, I mean, it's, you know, be creative with your, I've asked everyone, I, you, you know, you did the Chelsea deal and I'm, I'm you mentioned the Chelsea deal, yeah. which I worked on. So I'm following other sports. Let, let's borrow the best ideas from other codes. Um, I'm following Chelsea on the Instagram and yeah. Las Vegas, you know, NFL team on Insta, also black and white yeah. team to mine. Like let's don't, you know, don't sit up there, but get, you know, get, get into the outside world and 
and and borrow the ideas and best practices from you know other sporting codes where we've got a lot to learn from. I, I love that. Speaking of following the Vegas team, the, the you know the NHL team, the Golden Knights, they do a great job of their pre their pregame, the entertainment. Plus, their Twitter feed is hilarious. Yeah, you be yeah, and and look, it, it may take some partnerships. I, I want partnerships with you know I mentioned my friend the Florida Panthers or the Bucks yeah. or that. You know, don't limit it to to rugby because I think, you know, we've, you know, in terms of, you know, professionalizing our sports, you know, then also involves in running these business like other commercial businesses, and you know, those relationships are, are important. Agreed. Speaking of partnerships, let's try to get within the next few years a Sharks Free Jacks game on the books. Let's bring it on. Bring it Great. on. We'll come to visit you one year and then we'll host you guys the next year. It's certainly a goal of mine. And, and all these kids, they all want to come to the U.S. You know, we, we want to be here as well. So, so our head coach, Scotty Matthew, you know, he's a, he's a Durban fellow. He's a great coach. But yeah, that'd be fantastic. So it's my great. Is it true you said you're blessed with a rugby brain, but not a rugby body? Don't, don't make me take my shirt off. <laughs> Do not make me to. Rugby guys have to, you know, you have to have thick legs. Uh, yeah. But uh, yes, I, I'm, unfortunately, it's not a rugby body. Yeah, uh, there's a, you know, there's a position for everybody in rugby. As, that's as that's the great thing. Yeah, Marco, it's fantastic. Thank you. And thanks for everything you're doing in, in, in rugby and looking forward to continuing the conversation in the future. And, and same to you and, and good luck with everything. Come visit. You gotta, we got to have you up in, in Boston. It's the greatest. That's thanks great. for listening to the latest episode of Full Contact CEO. Stay tuned for a slate of exciting guests in the world of sports, business, and of course, rugby. Don't forget to subscribe and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and all of those other fun channels. Thank you very much. Be well. Yeah, yeah.